0: Engineering. Give me Star Trek Strategic Operations Simulator. It's 1200XL, episode 16. Hi, everybody. Welcome to 1200XL. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Star Trek strategic operations simulator oh man now aaron i know uh you you like the trek you're down you with right. the trek yeah when you uh when you have your your fantasies about star trek and i'm not talking about the ones that are involving uhura i'm talking about your uh operational fantasies if you will what yes. uh would, what position on the bridge do you always imagine yourself being oh, i'm in the captain's chair brother i mean are come you? on yeah I, where I would you put so. yourself I never would put myself in the captain's chair. That's too much. It's, it's too much risk. You're, you're more than actually type. I'm an ensign. Yeah, yeah. I'm one of the actually. You know, I, I'd always like to be just the, the guy that's in charge of steering the Enterprise. The helmsman. Uh, the, yeah, the helmsman. The helmsman. Because listen, we're in the freaking 25th century or whatever. The ship can steer itself. There's no need for a helmsman, which means you're living the free and easy life, hanging out with the captain on the bridge. Well, I mean, until it, it, until it, 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 you have to make a docking run or or you know get out of
1: town in a hurry and avoid asteroids and stuff then the pressure's on man
0: that's that's true that's true that's when i'm probably faking illness
1: (laughs) that's why you would never make it on the starship enterprise boat (laughs) that kind of attitude not to mention in the future no one gets sick they got bones to give you the business with the thing you know i don't know if i'd make it through starfield academy i'm not gonna lie to you i know i wouldn't there's a zero percent chance You know, it'd be with all those good looking chicks and the tight little outfits. There's no way I'd get through. How could you pass your
0: classes? Do you ever wonder? It has a 60s mentality when it comes to pottery. You know what I'm saying? Do you ever wonder what the rest of the people in the universe do that aren't members of the Starfleet Academy that didn't go through it and aren't members on? Like, you never hear about those people. You know, like what are the rest of the people on Earth doing that flunked out? I'm assuming they get
1: victimized repeatedly. That'd be my guess. Probably because, so. I mean, you're right. And all you hear is, you don't really hear about the good stuff going on back on Earth. It's always the, the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not sort of like Babylon 5 is the same thing. It's never like Earth's having a, a world peace. It's like we're on the break again.
0: We need yeah. Kirk. At least when you're on the Enterprise, you're under the command of somebody that knows what they're doing. And yeah. it seems like you're living a pretty good life. You got the replicator. You got the holodeck. What else do you need? So. Well, and the original show you didn't get the holodeck. The mm-hmm. holodeck is more trouble than it's worth, though,
1: in my oh, opinion. Yeah. You know, yeah, you don't was want Moriarty coming out to get you all that crap. You know, <laughs> those
0: were real dumb episodes. Those were the dumbest. The, and I love Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> but those were an abomination. You, you know, you bring up a good point. Did the replicator exist in the original series? It did. Yeah. They had a replicator, they had a food replicator because yeah. you could
1: put the, I think they had like cards, I believe you put mm-hmm. in there. You know, they look like who cards. That's what they were. I think everything in the future runs on t- turbo graphics technology.
0: That's the future I want to live in for sure. <laughs> yeah, me too. Eh? Me more of that Kiko Flying Squadron game. Oh, that. no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Not that, Boat. All right, Aaron. Let's talk about Star Trek Strategic op- Operations Simulator. Easy for mouthful. you to say yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is a very longly titled game that only somewhat describes what you actually do in this game so this originally was not a, an atari a computer game this originally premiered in the arcades in 1982 this was a oh, sega man. a sega sure enterprise Aaron. yeah um and it, it was one of those color vector monitor games and when I started writing this, um, when I started preparing my notes, as you, as you, as you say, uh, I was thinking about, well, I'm going to talk about how there weren't very many color vector games. And then I looked it up and I found this huge list. There were a ton of color vector games. I forgot yeah. about half of them. There like was a Tempest. decent amount. Yeah. yeah yeah tempest and major havoc and all all kinds of games so uh that 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 point went out the window, so this was one and this was probably towards the towards the end of the vector monitor craze i would say I would say by eighty four most of the vector monitor games had gone by the wayside I would say as you know you, you had the laser disc craze, and then just regular computer graphics started getting to the point where uh laser disc or not laser disc uh vector games were looking a little bit old hat so yeah, uh, this the soldiers really- were hell on wheels to keep working, too. Absolutely, yeah. And they, there was a, a probably a limited number of factories that were capable of churning these things out, yeah, too. So they were tough um this was a uh this arcade game it it was available in both stand up and sit down formats and uh the sit down format get this Aaron, was known as the captain's chair Uh, have you ever ever played in one of those never i've played this on a real machine but yeah i would love to do that i would love to sit in the captain's chair
1: it's the best it's this big white chair with like a black thing it's a it's awesome i would love yeah. to own one of the set downs you got that stand up screw that
0: i want the one where you sit in the cat and shit. that's the bomb man that's right that's right the upright model was st- uh, sold standalone and was also part of uh did you know that sega did a JAMA like thing um with with their with their arcade games during this time had you heard about this during the Vector era, no, I yeah. didn't know
1: that. I, I'm not surprised because some it was something that got done a lot, but I didn't know it was they were doing it that far back. I'll be
0: honest. Yeah, this thing was called the Convert-a-Kit series, oh. and it was compatible. You could get a Star Trek Eliminator, Space Fury, and Tax Scan. You could swap parts in and out and uh, and and convert your games to any one of those. You know, when you wanted when you needed some new games in the arcade. Huh. Uh, they also sold a conversion kit for this game for Asteroids, uh, and the conversion kit included the color vector monitor with it so you basically you swap out the uh the the button layout and uh and you're good to go just put in that color vector monitor and your asteroids becomes a star trek pretty interesting oh i see wow that's that is neat that's kind of cool yeah. Now this game in the arcade uses a spinner control and buttons, uh, but of course uh, on the old Atari, uh, you don't get that. You're, you're controlling it with the joystick. Uh, this game was ported to the Apple II, the 2600. Uh, the ColecoVision got a port of this, uh, C64, DOS, uh, the TI, the VIC, uh, an television a television version was planned, but it was never released. So uh, you're out of luck if you're an Intellivision owner. Had you played this on the ColecoVision before, Aaron? I have, yeah, uh, yeah. I've played this. I've played a lot of
1: versions, and there's a ton of unofficial versions too. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. basically, because I mean, the premise of this game, it's as generic a StarTech premise as you could possibly have. Well, let's so talk it, about it was
0: ripe for those sorts of, uh, you know, like uh, tributes, uh, boat. Let's talk about the premise of the game. The premise of the game centers around the nomad, Aaron, the nomad, not the weird portable Genesis thing, but this is an ancient interstellar probe that was sent from earth launched from earth it went missing for 265 years during that time it somehow mutated into a powerful and intelligent machine bent on sterilizing entire populations oh, that do not meet God. its standards of perfection so this is a judgment day situation where uh, humans created this computer system and they launch it into space and somehow it, it, it acquires the powers to evolve on its own and it evolves into a killing machine so the enterprise has to set out and destroy the nomad but before it destroys all life in the universe, and a bunch of Klingons, a bunch of Klingons. <laughs> so, Aaron, had you seen? This is based on, of course, an original series uh, uh, episode <clears throat> because the uh, the Next Generation would not come out for several years before the, yeah. after this. Uh, do you know? Were you aware of the Nomad? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good episode.
1: Uh, the uh, yeah the Nomad was in the old show. It's funny they sort of took. They sort of took what this was in the arcade, and then they sort of strapped that part on. So it's sort of both, isn't it? I mean, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like both games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I will say, just uh, just to get into it a little, I've played this quite a bit in the arcade. Okay. So the Atari version here, and I, to be honest with you, it's been so long since I played the Coleco version. I don't recall much about it. But I mm-hmm. will say, I was stunned when I played this because... This is way more stuff going on in it than the arcade versions got. Really, uh, the there's a ton. There's you know all the different levels, the, the levels with the obstacles, the no bad stuff. None of that stuff was in the arcade. Huh,
0: interesting. Yeah,
1: and yeah. So, uh, they and they so, and they kept what made the arcade game. Uh, you know, it, it kept that the stuff mm-hmm. with the you know the revolving view, the radar, right. uh, the shields, the, the star bases. But adding the other stuff is nice. It's nice to see stuff getting added on that I well, hadn't experienced
0: before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what do you have here? You've got a screen that's divided up into three parts, okay? You've got the upper left-hand part of the screen gives you your all of your gauges, your supplies. You can see how many shields you've got left, how many photon por- torpedoes, and the amount of warp power that you have left, okay? So that's in, like, the upper uh, half of the screen, the upper right-hand part of the screen is the main scanner screen. This is like your radar. This year, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a top-down view of the Enterprise. You see where the enemies are and the locations of the star bases. Okay? Uh, and then below that, you've got really where the, the graphical meat of the game is, the, what's known as the Forward Targeting Scanner. Yeah. Uh, and, th- and this thing shows you a close up and personal view of whatever object you are approaching. So if you're approaching a uh, a Klingon ship, you see a bird of prey. If you're approaching, you know, different things, you see these different shapes. And that's really the the most graphically striking part of the game is that, you you know, when you look at the radar, that looks like what almost all games looked like at the time. But then when you look down at that forward targeting scanner, you see the ship as it is as it, as, as sort of approaching you in the first person it's like being
1: on the deck on the command deck and seeing the screen up there it's sort of like you know like kirk would look up or picard and the screen this is what that 3d version looks like that part down the bottom you know yeah you they could have just used that top part and said okay here's the game Mm -hmm. i mean it would have been lame but they could have adding the forward view with the crosshairs like makes it cool and this game actually does a good job of making you use both screens because a lot of times you're far away from the enemy and you can see that the enemy's wailing onto one of your star bases for example and because you can see them shooting and so you've got to make your way over to them, and you can't use the bottom screen to do that you've got to use the radar to get to them. then you get in close enough that's when you kick in that
0: bottom screen to do the fine point targeting it works quite well right right so what do you do in this game well you drive around space like you do and uh (laughs) that's all you you, do and you you fire phasers at at uh at unfriendlies so you got your uh there are different uh, let's see i've got it written down here there are six different enemy types including red and purple klingon ships uh there's yellow antimatter saucers there's of course the nomad is in there too um, And then you've also got asteroid fields and meteor showers. These are like bonus stages where you don't really have anything to kill. You're just trying to avoid uh, the the asteroids or the meteors and trying to make it to the the next base. And when you reach a star base, you run over it and it replenishes your shields.
1: Yeah, they, So um, these are changes from the arcade. The arcade, uh, at least I never got to a point in the arcade where there are any sort of obstacle screens like this. And in the arcade, when you go to a star base, it's much more ballyhooed. Uh, th- it's, a, it's a the arcade version is much slower because when you dock you actually see the star base and you kind of dot with the vector grabs that do- kind of zooms in and docks it's hmm. pretty impressive and it replenishes all your stuff in this version you literally just run over them like you would like you like they're not there and yeah. you just and it automatically gives you a little and then you yeah. and you keep on going and usually there's one or two star bases per
0: screen right right and so, uh, basically what you do is you, uh, you, you run around, you're shooting ships that are uh, that are in the way of the you know that are attacking these bases and when you kill a certain number of them then you will move on to the next the next round once you reach the final round you have to destroy the nomad and when you destroy the nomad they get the game is over and uh, you get a colorful rainbow type thing and then the game loops around again now aaron you uh know so much more about the arcade version than i do uh would I call this game a strategic option simulator? No, I would not. Now, do you think that the arcade version leans more heavily on the strategy side than the Atari 8-bit port? Well, okay, strategic operation, but this is a this, this is um,
1: supposed to be a simulation to train you to be captain. That's the okay. whole
0: gimmick, okay? So you're not even in. This is just like the the any. What is it with these Star Trek games? Because the NES game that you and Brent covered in ARG was the same thing, right? Well, listen, boat. Do you need a lot of training, pal? All right, not what I can me. give you? A, do you have much a
1: starship costs? I'm you're a helmsman. you going put John Boat of at the helm, and you're <laughs> out there. It's like, well, I'm driving through space. That's not the way you do it. You're you got to be careful. Problem. They train these suckers, man. And you need some training in this game because unlike the arcade, they come fast and furious in this. This is a whole different speed than you see in the arcade. I have to say, they imp- this is an improvement on the arcade. I'll set mm-hmm. it. I'm going to go on record, Boat. They took it and made it better. Mm-hmm. The Nomad stuff wasn't in the arcade, right? That Nomad screen where that sucker comes out dropping all his mines and you've got to pinpoint him, you got to get lucky and shoot him. That's tough, man. Yeah. That guy's yeah. a jerk. Those added extra bonus ships the anti-grab saucers, like Those guys are tough too. They're fast. These guys lay into your star bases. You'd get points for those things. You need them star bases to get to replenish your uh, shields and whatnot. And so you could see them blowing them away. It's a lot easier to tell what's going on in this version than is in the arcade. This I found this game uh responded better than the arcade version. Now the arcade version had some stuff this didn't have, including the super awesome chair, also the arcade version had digitized speech. Spock would say, welcome aboard, Captain. You know, when the game started, that was always awesome, you know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you did have that going for you, but this game, this is like the arcade version of the arcade game, basically, it's what it reminds me of. The Nomad defeated screen reminds me of what would happen when you were playing the you know, Atari 2600 Sword Quest. That's mm-hmm. why you get a yeah. screen like that. Mm -hmm. the atari traditional rainbow screen
0: yeah what did you think of this bad boy boater i thought it was pretty good i thought it was pretty good game you know uh i was expecting something a little bit more cerebral with a title like strategic operation simulator i thought i would be down in engineering helping repair stuff and doing a bunch of mini game type things i guess i was expecting something more along the lines of that nes uh, star trek game that you and brent covered uh but i had a good time with this I had a good time with this and I like the fact that it was pretty easy for me to loop this. You know, the very first time I played it, I couldn't believe it. I just kept on playing. The game will loop regardless. You can lose and the Nomad can take over. And you can still keep playing. And I guess that's realistic, because let's be honest, if the nomads sterilized the population of Earth, the Enterprise would still be bebopping around the galaxy. So I guess that's 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 realistic. Well, uh, I was able to full of virile young crewman. That's These, right. You're getting
1: into a hell comes to frog town situation at that point, Boat, uh, yes. which, is that's you know, there you go. But yeah, that, so yeah, it could be worse as long as you're as long as you're healthy. You know, well, right. you can not save every planet, you know, exactly. and plus you got
0: Kirk out there. He'll take care of any sort of population discrepancies. He'll repopulate like nobody's That's business. That's the way he That's does true. it. Yeah. yeah. I managed and I wrote this down. I never do this when it, when I'm playing one of these games, but I just couldn't believe how far I was getting. I got to sector 3.5 and got a score of 143,000. I thought I was Whew. awesome at this. Well game. done, Boat. That's real good. Yeah.
1: So, I had uh, some good success. I, and mm-hmm. it was easy. This is a game you can set any, anyone down in front of it. And they can figure it out quick. Once you get the shapes down and you realize if one shape's shooting a crap out of another shape, that's probably bad, you
0: know, go get that shape. It's not rocket science, you know, Uh, I would have liked, just like you, I would have liked to have seen more done with the star base rather than you just run over the top of it like a fuel tank and river raid. Yeah. Uh, It would have been cooler to see you, you know, if there was some sort of a docking thing, though, at the same time, I can understand that would have gotten old too. And this kept the action fast and moving. So, um, now, I, I did want to talk just about a, a little bit of, uh, of trivia that I found out about the arcade machine. Do you remember Havsy's cereal, Aaron? No. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. But 500 of these arcade machines, which is a pretty large number of arcade machines, were given away as part of a promotion for Havsies cereal between 1982 and 1983, which leads me to believe that the public was tired of uh, vector graphic games in 1983, and they were looking to offload these bad boys. So when the Havsies truck rolled up, these things left with the Havsies truck.
1: Man, um, I would have I would eaten a ton of Havsies to get one of these things in the pad. <laughs> I would just sit and watch the original series in the chair. Oh you know yeah, that would be right. that's all
0: I need. Yeah, right. Um, I did look on eBay. Uh, there was uh, a complete copy of this game for the Atari 8-bit sold in September for fifty dollars. So you can expect to pay about that much for a complete copy. Uh, not bad, not bad for a complete game. Yeah, uh, these trick things- involved. The 5200 version is much more common than the Atari 8 bit version, and you can get those uh, loose for uh, about 20 bucks all day long. Of course, all the other versions readily available. I looked to see if the arcade machine, the Star Trek arcade machine, had come up on eBay for auction. Unfortunately, I did not see any record of any any machine current or having been sold within the past however many months. So uh, this thing is is probably on the rarer side. It being a color vector graphics game, uh, in terms of it, you know finding a working example. Um, and uh, but I was I was sort of surprised that I didn't see any up for auction from you know the usual people that that you know to charge you an arm and a leg yeah these so, were around back in the day i will say yeah, that yeah and i did play this at the old uh, galloping ghost in chicago last time I was up there so um all right well that's going to do it for uh atari or for the star trek strategic operations did we get any simulator. discord on this thing Oh, we did. Thank you so much for reminding me. You know, we we don't there aren't really any magazine reviews for this one that I could find, but we did get some Discord action. Our first uh, review comes from Pajako 6502. And he says, "Cramming an arcade vector game into an 8-bit pixel-based machine is always going to be a challenge. However, the Atari 8-bit is is a pretty competent and playable version." For limited 8-bit graphics, the developers did a fantastic job of representing the ships on the viewport. Comparing it to the videos I checked out of the other ports, the Atari graphics were probably the better-looking home computer versions. I played this with a D-pad, and it was a little difficult to get the ship to steer exactly where I wanted. I feel that an old-fashioned joystick would have been better, but it still played well. The game is a little short before it loops around again to the first level, however the arcade version is the same. And but there's plenty of action crammed in, 7.5 out of 10. And Mitsuyama writes, I've never played this before on any system, and to be honest, I wasn't expecting much, but I was pleasantly surprised. The presentation is great with a nice title screen and a good attempt at the theme tune. The game layout instantly makes sense with the radar scanner and front view screen used in combination during gameplay. The graphics on the scanner are functional at best, but the star bases and enemy ships are instantly recognizable on the view screen. The controls are responsive and it plays great with the joystick. My only complaint is that at six rounds per level, the game loop is a little short, but the difficulty ramps up nicely over the levels. I'm becoming a bigger fan of the Atari 8-bit computers the more I explore the library via this podcast. We thank you for listening to 1200XL. Starting in January 2022. Join us, won't you, for a new endeavor in the Amigos Retro Gaming Library of Podcasts. A decidedly better endeavor. I'm talking about the Atari ST Show. Atari 1200XL has been a good run. We've done 16 episodes, but the time has come to move on. We're moving on. We're putting the 1200XL on the shelf. I'm not saying we'll never bring it back, but we're entering a new era. The 16 bit era, Aaron. That's right, folks. We are starting a brand new podcast all about gaming on the Atari ST. Uh, So far, we have recorded zero episodes, but we are taking next month off to prepare to get everything ready to make sure that all the dots are aligned and the crosses are teed. And we are going to launch like nobody's ever launched before. We have our game selection committee already in place from the Discord. They're going to be choosing our first title for us to play. Uh, we will be launching on YouTube as well as separate uh, feeds on both Anchor and uh, on the, the Amigos Retro Gaming main feed. Uh, and as soon as that comes out, I will be announcing on the Twitter and all of our social media where you can find all of those things. But you don't have to resubscribe to anywhere. It'll still be on the same YouTube channel, the same ARG uh, network feed All you've got to do is tune in and listen. We hope you'll enjoy it. We thank you for listening to 1200XL, and we hope you will continue to enjoy our Atari discovery journey on the ST Show. Mm, So for one final time, for a while, we will say, make sure you play your Atari today.